now it's time for Rod and Real Radio with your hosts, Hop Along John Cassidy, fresh and saltwater expert angler Stan Vanderberg, and all-around outdoors fishing and hunting enthusiast Wendy Toshihara. If you love the outdoors, enjoy salt or freshwater fishing, this is the show for you. We'll cover most all of the fishing tournaments and events with special reports while providing you with the information you need as to how and where to experience the best fishing opportunities in Southern California, Baja, Alaska, or just about anywhere the fish are biting. Rod and Real Radio brought to you by El Cajon Ford at Broadway and Main or online at ElCajonFord.com. Whether it's time for a new or used car or truck or you need to take advantage of San Diego's best quick lane for service with genuine Ford parts, brand name tires at competitive prices, remember nobody beats El Cajon Ford. We have some fantastic guests and reports lined up for you this evening, so sit back, relax, and get ready for the fastest two hours in radio. It's all right here, right now, on Rod and Real Radio, the best stop on your radio. Radio dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over the United States. Now here's your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy. Hey, thank you, Mark Larson, and everyone, welcome to another Sunday edition of Rod Reel Radio. I am your host, the underfished Hop Along, John Cassidy. Hey, we want to thank you for hanging with us tonight. We've got a real great show, I think, for you. A lot of diversity in the show tonight. You know, uh, a lot of great things to do on summer nights like this here in Southern California. We appreciate you spending some time with us. So let me give you a, a little idea of what you're going to be in for tonight. Starting off right from the beginning, David Kirkpatrick from the Make-A-Wish Tuna Challenge. He's going to be with us, updating us on all the information that's going to be happening with the 2006 Tuna Challenge. It starts August 26th. We're going to want to know how to get involved with it. Even if we aren't fishing, this is a program we can get into. And then later on to the show, we're going to have Captain Bill Wilkerson from Malahini Sports Fishing. You know, Malahini is three-quarter day boat out of H&M Landing. And I like the three-quarter day boats to be a good indicator on what's happening for us guys that uh, have maybe trips planned to go on an overnight day and a half or longer because... The three-quarter day boats, they're on the frontier, and if they're catching them, you know we're going to be into them really great. And then we're going to change gears a little bit at the 6 o'clock hour. We're going to have free diving, spear fishing, extraordinary sportsman, Dr. Terry Moss with us. Dr. Terry has spent 55 years as a spear fisherman and a free diver, has many world records, is a photographer also. I tell you, we could spend almost a whole two hours with Dr. Terry, uh, but we'll have him on starting at 6 o'clock, telling us about some of his adventures in his 55 years of free diving and spear fishing. But before we get on with all that, let me introduce to you the other co-host of Ron Real Radio. First of all, this gentleman is the voice of 1-800-BASS-BOAT, and he's a pretty darn good fisherman in his own right, freshwater and saltwater. Stan Vandenberg. Stan, how are you tonight? Pretty good, John. Good evening, everybody. Just another hot weekend of getting things ready to go fishing maybe next week here. Oh, man, I swear. You just, uh, uh, you going back up to Sierras? Uh, you uh, going freshwater or what, uh, Stan? Well, I might be, I might have to hook the bass boat up and, and take it up and do a little bit. And then I got to get ready for uh, a quick turnaround here in the next I think it's two or three weeks from now I'm going to jump on the Top Gun for five and a half days and 
go play. So I've got, you know, I, I have fishing in the future, I know. And then after that, maybe I'll go back up to, to Crowley at the, later on in either late September or October when the big ones are up there and go play with those big fish. Well, Stan, also, give me some time to introduce to you the other co-host of Ron Real Radio. She is a national sales manager for Iserline, also a darn good outdoor sportsman herself, both in freshwater, hunting, saltwater, Archery, I, I don't know, twin, tiddlywinks, she's competitive and everything. <laughs> Wendy Toshihara. Wendy, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm actually getting myself ready for a trip that I have this Friday on the searcher. It's the all-ladies trip. All righty now. Hey, that is going to be great. And, Wendy, do you have any spots yet for that? Um, we have two more spots still available, and we have sponsors jumping on board like crazy. So whoever's on this trip... They're going to make out, and they're going to have lots of tackle to start out with. Well, hey, listen, why don't we – we'll talk about that later on in the show. Why don't we get to our first guest? There is a program coming up that annually has been here in San Diego. It's the Make-A-Wish Tuna Challenge. It's been one of the most successful fundraisers for kids here in the San Diego area. Let's find out all about it. We've got – David Kirkpatrick with us from the Make-A-Wish Tuna Challenge. David, how you doing tonight? Good evening, guys. How was everybody? Excellent. Yeah, we're doing great, David. But you guys must be going crazy trying to tie all the loose ends together because you're just a few days away from the start of this really big event. Somebody's been down this road before. You know it all comes together at the last minute, but it's certainly panic time for most of us, even though we know it's going to happen properly. It's, uh, this, by this time next Sunday, we'll be all looking at each other going, nice job, guys. <laughs> yeah, we're all we're excited and we're ready to go. And fish are biting. That's the, one of the, that's what's the biggest issue right now is fish are biting. Isn't so there's that something? lots of fish to be caught. You know, David, we've... Uh, you know, we've had the the Tuna Challenge on for many, many years on Rod and Reel Radio and have been a sponsor of the event. And I re- can remember years that we were talking about, hey, can anyone bring a tuna in? Can anyone find one? And I think there's even years when maybe there haven't been tuna caught. But it doesn't look like this is going to be that year. I don't think you're going to have to go more than 20 or 30 miles offshore to find a tuna this this year. I mean, it. It sounds to me as if tuna within 10 miles of Point Loma. You know, and I think you're going to have the biggest tuna weight in that you've had this year. I bet you this year will be a record breaker for size. I've seen 228, 276. I've seen pictures of guys that are blowing up my phone, sending me pictures. Ha ha, where are you? I'm Look where I am. And they're out with fish so big they need a hoist to, to get them up on the scale. They're uh, they're just real real barn doors out there right now. Well, you know, David, uh, Stan, Wendy, and I have been around long enough to see. Uh, it isn't the guys that win the prefish; it's when the chips are down, the guys come in with the fish, and sometimes that's a completely yeah. different story. <laughs> yes, yeah, it is. Well, I mean, you know, you're actually hunting. You're actually hunting the fish. That's what you're doing. Well, tell us a little bit about the schedule for the Tuna Challenge. It's coming on up. The dates are August 26th through the 28th. What is the actual schedule and what's going to be happening in this period of time? Well, the Tuna Challenge captain's meeting is at 6 p.m. on uh, Friday the 26th. 
and that that meeting will will we'll go over the rules. We'll have a couple of guest speakers, um, and and uh, after the meeting, your the guys are are going to either launch Saturday morning or launch Friday night. Uh, uh, as long as you weigh in by Sunday at nine a.m., um, that's all that's all we're requesting. You can fish from Friday after the captain's meeting, or right through Saturday and uh, yeah. into Sunday morning if that's what you want, up until nine o'clock. David, give um, us uh, give us some particulars on the captain's meeting, uh, time, and where it's going to be. Captain's meeting be held at um, Silvergate Yacht Club on Shelter Island. Uh, the captain's meeting starts at six o'clock, and you you can register and make changes to registered boats and registered guys who have registered their boats and women also uh, can make changes up till six p.m. and register new teams up till six p.m. on Friday. Um, up till the time captain's meeting starts. So now on the 27th, if uh, we've got uh, that's the fishing period, what uh, uh, what fish can people weigh in? How do they verify their weights? Where do they go to? And uh, give us some of those details. So the weigh stations are the Marlin Club um, on Shelter Island and Dana Landing, um, right at the tackle store there at the dock. Um, we'll have uh, weighmasters at both locations. You can weigh in uh, from 4 p.m. until 10 p.m. on Saturday. Uh, and you can also weigh in Sunday morning from 7 a.m. till 9 a.m. Uh, Sunday morning. Uh, so those are the two weigh stations. Um, the, the weigh stations are outfitted with uh, a radio so they can contact ships, boats that are coming in later on in the evening. If you're going to come in at 10.15 and you call us and let us know, we'll wait on you. Um, if you're coming in at uh, 9.05 on Sunday, uh, we'll wait on you. As long as you call and let us no. know. If not, uh, uh-uh. the, waymasters, uh, the waymasters will pack it up. All right. And so, and tell me, how do people score? How do teams score? Are they fishing individually? Are they fishing as teams? Is it gross weight? Is it biggest fish or what? There are biggest. They're all on the point system. Species count. A different species count for different points. Okay. And and, and there's also um, large boat divisions, uh, small boat divisions. Um, there's men's, there's women's, there's juniors, and there's uh, kids divisions also. And so all those divisions will have um, th- their own species to weigh in. Um, you'll weigh in bluefin, yellowfin, um, yellowtail, um, dorado, so all the popular species here in the West Coast. Now, I know some of the uh, entry fee is going to the Make-A-Wish uh, Foundation, but also these guys aren't just fishing for bragging rights. There's also some uh, 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 pretty great prizes and, and, uh, and I think uh, a purse that they're also fishing for, too, is there not? There is. There, there, we've been... We've been Absolutely overwhelmed with the with the participation of the sponsors this year, uh, San Diego Padres, um, Big Blue Charters, the Happy Sushi uh, Nine Seven Six Bite and Bloody Decks, and Angler's Choice Dana Landing, uh, uh, Costa Del Mar, and the 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 vendors have actually and the support staff have actually come out and done an awesome job um, uh, donating to the tournament and, and offering prizes for the fishermen. So right. that is. Uh, well, now the thing that uh, is really intriguing is that 
you don't have to be participating in the tournament or even a fisherman to get involved in this particular event because come the award ceremony at the uh, Silvergate Yacht Club on the 28th, you can, everyone is going to have a chance to uh, uh, participate and really uh, uh, get an opportunity to bring home some of these great prizes that you people have gone up and uh, uh, hustled up over the past year. There, there are several opportunities. There's a 100-bag raffle, and there's also a live auction. Um, and the live auction has uh, trips. It has um, guided tours for fishermen. It has Rancho Leonero. It has, um, there's a company called Soft Science that has developed a, a special shoe that is absolutely comfortable. Um, there are prizes and um, raffles available for everybody to participate. And quite honestly, it's absolutely exciting, an exciting time to be out on Shelter Island. Well, Wendy, you and I have been to the uh, uh, the awards banquet several years, and you've uh, been a, a pretty heavy uh, tackle winner and a prize winner at the at these <laughs> events. <laughs> and a girl. Well, I, I really like um, the live auctions and the silent auctions. Um, I have a good time at that. Uh, I haven't I haven't been a contestant, but one day I would love to. Oh. Hey, David, uh, uh, tell us, though, so, uh, you know, the Make-A-Wish Tuna Challenge, people are getting hit up with all kinds of uh, events and, uh, uh, you know, there are things for cancer and things for this and everything else like that. Money that is donated here in San Diego to the Make-A-Wish Tuna Challenge, tell us a little bit about where it goes and what it does. Well, the money donated for this particular event and to, and um, the, the Make-A-Wish in general stays right here locally and is, is used to grant the wishes of our wish kids here in San Diego. Um, the the organization the prides itself in granting as many wishes as possible. I, I don't have the number right off the top of my head, but I think it was 77 wishes last year maybe. Wow. And the, the kids, it gives the kids an opportunity to... To, to get away from um, the unfortunate circumstance they find themselves in, medically speaking, um, and, and, and get away from the doctors and the lab coats and um, lab tests and, and just, just get, away from, get away from it all and be um, and what we might refer to as regular for a little length of time their wishes being granted. So it, it really is a hometown, local um, charity that really benefits the kids here locally. You know, one of the ways, you, you know, you help them feel comfortable and normal is that not only do you make a, a grant of wish for the kids, but they get to, to a chance to take not only mom and dad with us, but a lot of times their extended family with them so they can all participate in the experience. I've seen some families up bring their mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, sisters and brothers, and in some instances, maybe a healthcare professional along with them. Man. Uh, so it really is an opportunity for them to, to break away from the medical environment for a while and, and just enjoy themselves out on the water or up Disneyland or at the Padre game, the Charger game. There's, there's, there's so many opportunities. You know, um, I walked into a company a small company in the East County, and 
I asked to speak to the manager and the child I was speaking to, child, he's not, he's a, he's a young man, he was a wish kid, and he knew immediately about Make-A-Wish, and his name is, is Colton Kalis, and uh, oh. he's a super kid, and he's coming down to the event on the 28th. Wow. So I'm looking forward to spending some time with him. Now, with all the prizes and all the gifts and all the raffles that you've uh, um uh, you've gotten together, and I've, I've got to tell you, over the years, it just seems voluminous it, just with what you get together. There's one main prize that you're giving away, and how's that going to be done? Um, the one main prize that we're going to give away is uh, the raffle prize, yes. um, and, and we'll have a, on the lo- I'm sorry, the live auction prize. Is that is that the prize you're referring to? Uh, it, it, no, the car. <laughs> Is there, yeah, It'll something with four wheels on it? Oh, the Mazda. <laughs> yeah. Yes, the Mazda drawing. Did I forget? Yes, our main sponsor. And yeah, uh, the Mazda drawing will be on. Will be um, winner will be announced on Sunday, and then that winner will be notified uh, that they've won uh, the brand new car. Uh, yeah, it's a drawing. Yeah, in the past few years, I think the. Uh, the person that won the vehicle was actually there, and you talk about an exciting uh, event to see uh, someone's name drawn out for a a new car. Just uh, extremely uh, exciting. It is a rah-rah moment. That is a rah-rah moment for the the (laughs) event. That is, yes, yes. Hey, uh, David, for people that have just been interested in listening about what we're talking to, haven't had a chance to jot down some of these particulars, where can people go to find out more about this event, entering as a team if they want to fish, or coming to the uh, award ceremony at the Silvergate Yacht Club on the 28th? If you want to attend the event, it's um, August 28th at 10 a.m. at Silvergate Yacht Club on Shelter Island, and the event will run until 3 p.m. Um, all the All the activities within the event are well-timed and spaced so that everybody is not rush, rush, rush. There's lots of time to have lunch and, and, um, and enjoy time with the family. Uh, you can go to, you can go to uh, tunachallenge.org and pull up the application for, to enter a boat or enter a team. And all the information uh, concerning tournament rules is on the tunachallenge.org right there on our website. Well, Dave Kirkpatrick, I can't tell you, it's going to be, I bet you it's going to be your biggest event ever. The fishing looks like it's going to be fantastic. There should be no one out there that has a boat that shouldn't be in this and competing. And we wish you all the luck. And we look forward to even seeing you on Sunday there at the awards ceremony and uh, shaking your hand and congratulating you and Mike Smith and all the people there at the Make-A-Wish Tuna Challenge for the effort you put forth. Uh, you just have a fantastic week, will you please? Thank you very much, and, and thank you for the opportunity. Appreciate it. Right. Oh, thank you for letting us uh, be a sponsor of, of such a fantastic event. Hey, this Wonderful. is Ru- this is Ron Real Radio on AM540 at ronrealradio.com. Stan, Wendy, and I, we're going to take a break right now, but coming up next, Captain Bill Wilkerson from Malahini Sports Fishing. Let's find out just exactly what's been out there this past week and maybe take a look into the future to see what some of the Make-A-Wish tuna fishermen might be looking forward to next week. We'll be right back.
can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect. Finally, a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main at El Cajon, or online anytime, anywhere at ElCajonFord.com. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water. Love California. Boat California. Save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, HM Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. 2015 and 16, Quantum Fishing's gone and done it again for you with the brand new redesigned Smoke PT Reel Series. Everything from your spinning reels all the way to your bait casters, the PTA design has a new PTXA frame, lighter, stronger, bone crushing drag, Quantum Fishing. We are performance tuned. Check them out at Angler's Arsenal in La Mesa or anglersarsenal.com or give us a call at 619 466 8355. This segment of Ron Real Radio is brought to you by the makers of the original balloon fishing clip system, Balloon Fisher King. Now you can fish the precise bait depth desired with these easy-to-use clips and 100% biodegradable natural latex balloons. All you do is clip, inflate, bait, and fish. Look for Balloon Fisher King clips and balloons at your local tackle dealers or go to balloonfisherking.com for further information. It's a big deal, you know. I've always wanted to be on Rod and Reel Radio Line. <laughs> <laughs> I won the Bassmaster Classic. I did a, a McDonald's commercial, but now I know I've made it. I fulfill my dream. <laughs> that is just absolutely awesome. 
And good evening again, everyone. Stan, Wendy, and I, we want to welcome you back to Rod and Reel Radio. Well, we talked about the tuna season being here, and then it seemed like it wasn't, then it was here again. Seems like it's been a little bit of a roller coaster ride. Let's get an up-to-the-minute uh, assessment of just exactly what's happening with Captain Bill Wilkerson from Mollahini Sports Fishing out of H&M Landing. Captain Bill, how you doing this evening, sir? Hey guys, how you guys doing this evening? Good. How's the fishing? Uh, it's hit and miss. <laughs> Best way to put it right now. You know, we had a very, very, very good week this past week. In the past couple of days, it seems like the water at the islands have, uh, has uh, turned over, if you will. But, I mean, we, we got, got out today. We had 13 yellowtail. Uh, 35 bonito and some barracudas and some rockfish, you know, for 51 anglers. So it wasn't bad fishing by any means, but, you know, as far as targeting yellowtail, it was a little slow today. Well, I tell you, the uh, numbers at the beginning of the week were pretty epic, uh, Bill. Uh, you know, I know it's fishing, it's hit and miss. Uh, I like to think the three-quarter-day boats are an indicator of what's happening for the guys that like to go out on longer trips and, you guys at the beginning of the week were just slaying them. It was, I mean, it was a very fun week. And I, honestly, it's been, it's been decent. You know, don't get me wrong. I just, it's, it's this, this whole year has been kind of bizarre, you know, with the fish being caught up north and things like that. And, and they're being sustained that way. And then, you know, I think our biggest issue right now is still the uh, passport thing for the island boats that are fishing the island. Honestly. I do believe that's what's going on. Let's talk, talk about that a little bit uh, with regards to people wanting to come aboard and not realizing that if they go fishing with you down to the islands, uh, you, you need your passport. And then uh, the fact that uh, uh, if you stay on the U.S. side, especially in three-quarter range, it really gets kind of uh, dicey and hit and miss whether or not you get into them or not. You know, not really dicey. There's, there's just nothing there. You know, you've got that big bluefin that's still still on the backside of the nine, but it's not it's not biting. Uh, there's some kelp in between uh, the islands and the 302 and the 425, but they're bone dry for the most part. Uh, it's been tough. I mean, to fish the offshore the offshore scene, we fished out there offshore yesterday because we had a charter and saw lots of fish. They all got locked, y'all. We wound up with uh, 22 uh, yellowfin up to, I think, was 35 or 40 pounds and one nice-sized bluefin for a day. Well, you know, one of the things I noticed, Bill, is it sure seemed like the water went from warm to cold almost in just a, a few days. In fact, when you were watching uh, the news today and they had the body surfing championships from uh, – Oceanside, they were talking about how cold the water was, and it, it just seemed like uh, no more than a couple of weeks ago we were talking about 74, 76-degree water. How about a 12-hour uh, <laughs> drop, wow. a 12-degree drop in, I want to say, 6.30 on Friday or Thursday. They got out Friday morning or Saturday morning to go fish the kelp beds off Point Loma. It was 74 degrees on uh, Friday. 61 on Thursday on a Saturday morning. Oh. Whoa! That's, wow! That's huge. Yeah. So yeah, the water at the fell off a bit. Yeah, <laughs> the water at the islands—it's streaky, and it greened up. 
You know, I mean, it went from purple-blue at the Coronado Islands on Friday to pea soup, basically. On Saturday, I'm not sure exactly what happened. Big swell moved in, you know, big ground swell. Stirs up the water, makes everything uncomfortable. Fish can't see. They don't want to bite. Uh, now, Bill, when they were biting, uh, tell us, uh, and I think that bite surely is going to be back again. Uh, uh, how were you guys catching them, and, and what kind of gear were you recommending that they bring out in order in anticipation of, of catching fish that day? You know, we had limit style fishing for five days, totally honestly. And it, we, we could have had limits all five days, but we didn't for whatever reason. I said, suggested set up, uh, you can throw a jig, bring a jig. You know, 10-foot jig stick, 40-pound uh, test on, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I like the saltest. Uh, bait fish, 6 to 8-foot rod, uh, another saltest, 20 to 30-pound test for that. And uh, pretty much that was it. Bait and jig was all it was. And we got, I think, 85% of the fish we caught this week were probably on bait. The other 15% were all jig. The guys that are catching them on jigs, what color jigs are they using? You know, it, my jig is, is gray. All the paint's been chewed off of it. <laughs> That's the easiest thing I can say. Well, I, I, I don't think, honestly, I, I, I personally don't believe the color of the jig really matters. It's I believe kit. that it's how that jig swims in the water. Right. Now, Bill, then, you know, were you using like 6X and 7Xs? Uh, a 7X Caddy 45, 6, I said 7X, 7X Caddy 45, A1s, uh, anything like that. Just got to make sure that jig swims in the water very, very, it swims very good. You'll get that. Right now, your operating hours now, if you uh, find that uh, uh, there's a chance that you might be able to, uh, you know, to hit some of these yellowfin that are out there, uh, would you go out a little bit earlier and stay a little bit later, or tell us how you adjust your hours sometimes, Bill? Uh, we really don't adjust our hours. We fish anywhere from 13 to 35 miles. We leave the dock at 5.30 in the morning, get back to the dock uh, anywhere between 5.30 and 7 o'clock, I'm going to say, because here lately fishing offshore, it's about 7, 7.15, between 6.30 and 7 o'clock before we get back to the dock normally. You know, a lot of that depends on what what we have caught or what we haven't caught. Well, when that makes sense. That, too, that really runs the crew around when you're doing that seven days a week. Oh, it's 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 a grind, but you know what? The end result is when our customers get off of our boat that they're happy and satisfied with the job that we did or tried to do for them. Oh man, uh, Bill, when. When I hear from customers that have gone out to you, and you, you hear this all the time because, you know, the biggest percentage of your customers are repeat people. And if they're not getting treated good or the deckhands are doing something other than their utmost to make them feel welcome, you're, you're not going to be uh, um, seeing those people. And, gosh, a big percentage of your business, I know, is repeat business. Uh, you're 100% correct. And, you know, I, I mean, I personally, if I were to go fishing on a boat and I caught a bazillion fish and had a lousy time and the deckhands were, were rude, the captain was uh, not into socializing with the clientele, 
chances are I wouldn't fish that boat again. Uh, I've been out on boats where I haven't caught a thing, and the crew was phenomenal. The captain was, you know, up to up to date, in tune with what was going on. I talked to his, you know, clientele, let them know what was happening. Eh, I'd go fish that boat again because I really, I would, I would really feel that I was a part of something. Does that make sense? It certainly yep. does. You know, and. And what do you say, you know, you get a, a mom or a dad that are out there, the kids are getting ready to go to school, you want to take them on a end-of-the-summer type of uh, an adventure, but they haven't been on out before. What do you say to, to those people that want to come out and experience a fishing trip on the Mullahini? Come on down get on the boat. Yeah. Good yeah, idea. I'm guaranteeing, <laughs> I'm guaranteeing you're going to have a good time. You know, there's, there's, only, there's two things that I can control. As far as fishing, that fishing aspect goes, putting us on fish and making sure that my customer has a good time. The fish are going to bite. They're going to bite. They're not going to bite. There's absolutely nothing I can do about that. But you can ensure that whether they bite or not, that they have an experience and a good time. And, and that's what we hear a lot of from uh, the passengers that come aboard on the Malahini. Yeah, you know, we can control the atmosphere. We can't control the, the biting of the fish. Well spoken on that part. What's that, Stan, again? I said, I said well spoken there because you're right. You know, these people come out to be entertained and, and to catch fish at the same time. You know, plus you, they're going to eat aboard and stay on there for the day. And if they don't have the right people and nobody's attentive to their situation and their needs, depending on... And sometimes they may not need any, but still the personalities on the boat will reflect whether you're going to get them to come back again. Oh, definitely. I, I, you know, honestly, that and I believe clean bathrooms. <laughs> People look at me crazy yeah, when I say that. Bathroom. But, I mean, I have women, I have women that get on my boat, and those bathrooms have to be immaculate. If my wife can't go to that bathroom, then none of my passengers can. <laughs> That sounds good. Uh, there you have it. <laughs> and you know, Bill, over the uh, over the past ten, fifteen years too, I think you have seen a larger number of women passengers coming along. Not only with their significant others, but we know a whole slew of women that are that are going out by themselves or going out with a friend just because of the fact they're having a great time on the boat and catching fish. Oh yeah, Jessica Cano comes to mind. Lori Heath comes to mind. She is an awesome individual. Uh, Wendy, can I ask you a question? Sure thing. Do you go three-quarter day fishing? I do. I would love to have you come out on my boat. Oh, I would love to come out on your boat. When you get an opportunity. Uh, uh, Pass your contact information on on to Wendy. John has my phone numbers. That would definitely work. I would love to have you come out with us. Yeah, okay, so well, you can see. Thank you very much. I, you know, think, what, I think you'd have a great time. Wendy has a lot of oh, unique October, uh, opportunities, too, and some connections up in the Channel Island area and everything like that where she's going out all the time. And then uh, she works also with Laurie uh, um, <clears throat> uh, at uh, Turner's, and they're going out uh, all the time, too, on special trips. So uh, it would really be a lot of fun. To be uh, there. I and, think it'd be cool. Yeah. I really do. I think it'd be very, very cool. I Get another perspective besides my wife. <laughs> All right. Well, 
Captain Bill, if uh, people uh, want to see what the schedule for the Mulhaney is, uh, find out more about it, the particulars on the boat, who's running the boat, uh, all that type of information, where can we go to get that? Uh, you can go to MalahaneySportFishing.com, which is our personal website. And we update that daily from uh, Facebook. It automatically, well, we write automatically uploads to the website itself. Or you can go to Facebook, uh, Malahaney Sports, type in Malahaney Sports Fishing and uh, Facebook page there. Or you can call the landing at 619-222-1144 even visit their website as well. That's hmlanding.com. Uh, we have a little something for everyone. You know what I mean? Those that don't like to fish the surface this time of year when fishing is slow, there's plenty of bottom critters to be had. You know, vermilion red rockfish, uh, salmon groupers, starry eyes. It's limitless as far as that goes. Now, like I said, getting them to bite is the one thing. Getting you on the fish is not a problem. Boy, and there's nothing like catching a lot of fish and then coming aboard and having a great boat burger. I mean, it it, 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 it all fits together. You know, it's, it's, it's a day, in my opinion, it's a day that family and friends can get together, not stress about cooking, not stress about, you know, doing anything, but enjoying your day in the sun, riding on the water, catching fish. Right. I don't have to clean the boat. I don't have to fillet the fish. I'm good with it. <laughs> that definitely works. I'm okay with that. Oh, wait, that doesn't work in my, in my case. <laughs> and you come, you come yeah. home with a lot of good stuff to eat. Well, Captain Bill Wilkerson. Owner-operator of Mulhaney Sports Fishing out of H&M Landing. Thanks a lot for taking some time to be with us. No problem. Wendy, Stan, John, you guys have a wonderful day. It was a pleasure talking with you. Go All stay right. on them, buddy. Go get them. Will do. Bye-bye. All right, guys. Hey, that's it for Captain Bill Wilkerson from the Mulhaney. But coming up next, if you can get through on the lines, Captain James Nelson, the fish icon with the Southern California Inshore Report. Stay tuned. Stan, Wendy, and I will be back after these messages. Turn your passion for fishing into support for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Enter the 27th Annual Tuna Challenge, hosted by Silvergate Yacht Club, August 26th through 28th. A tuna fishing tournament followed by the famous Tuna Challenge Awards Banquet, featuring thousands of dollars worth of auction items and raffle prizes, including fishing gear, trips, even a brand new Mazda. Enter the tournament or just come to the fun and festive awards banquet on Sunday. All proceeds go to the Make-A-Wish Foundation of San Diego. For info, visit tunachallenge.org. Angler's Arsenal is the serious angler's first choice for hand-poured plastics, McCoy line, Spro products, Gamakatsu hooks, G. Loomis fishing rods, Shimano products, Ovid reels, and just about anything you hear advertised on Rod and Reel Radio. Go to anglersarsenal.com and visit our online tackle store. See the huge selection of Western Plastics hand-poured baits, all at anglersarsenal.com. Angler's Arsenal tackle store is conveniently located in La Mesa, just off Interstate 8. Give us a call at 1-800-428-8730. If you're serious about your fishing, choosing the right tackle is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Iserline makes premium fishing lines including monofilament, Dacron, Spectra, fluorocarbon, battle-tested harnesses, and top angler-tested Iserline tools and accessories. Iserline premium fishing products are created to provide you with the ultimate in strength, dependability, durability, high abrasion resistance, low stretch, and high quality. All Iserline products are 100% guaranteed against manufacturing defects. 
You just can't buy better value. Iserline will replace or repair at their option. No questions asked if you're not pleased with any of their products. Catch what you've been missing. Quality guaranteed. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water. Love California, boat California, save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. This portion of Rod and Reel Radio is brought to you by the Rockley's Fish Release System. Now you can quickly and easily release fish suffering from barotrauma back to the depths they were caught. Look or ask for the Rockley's at your local fishing tackle dealer. Stan, Wendy, and I, we want to welcome you back on this summer's eve to uh, Rod and Reel Radio. Hope you're having a great weekend. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. It's still plenty of Rod and Reel Radio to come, so stay tuned. And now we, it's time for a Southern California inshore report with the fish icon himself, Captain James Nelson. Captain James, how's this past week gone for you? It's been great, John. How's it been for you? Well, it's been great, except I haven't gotten in the water, and you have. Tell us about it. Well, there's there's some fish to be had around here. Well, you know, we just heard from uh, Captain Bill Wilkerson that told us that at the local kelp, in a period of about 24 hours, the temperature went down. Stan, what did he say, 10 or 12 degrees? At least 12 degrees. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, La Jolla is just freakishly cold all of a sudden. And the same way off the point, Loma Kelp, uh, I'm not sure if you find that type of condition in uh, San Diego Bay or any of our bays because they're probably a little more protected. But sooner or later, they got to be chilling off a little bit. No, it, it, it got a little cold, cooler in the bay. Um, as far as the uh, Point Loma Kelp, it's not as drastic of a drop as it was in La Jolla. But La Jolla, I mean, and any drastic change like that, I don't care if you go hot, cold, or what, any drastic change like that, it just... The fish don't react to it. I don't know. Uh, looking at Not your Facebook, positively. looking at your <laughs> Facebook change at uh, James Nelson uh, on Facebook, uh, your client still did pretty well, Captain James. Oh, we worked for every fish, John, and yeah, you know, there's the fish are still around to be had, but we worked for every fish, and it was just a matter of just finding that water, the right water. I mean, it was, uh, yeah, it was. Probably the toughest week I've ever seen in August ever, and you know, looking looking at it, it's it's really been it's really been a weird year, weird season, and it's uh, it's starting to show in, in every aspect. Of it. Uh, these guys now that are that were bragging about tuna being so close back in March, they're having to travel 30 miles to get to them now. You know, they're having to get Mexican license to go get them where they were right here. <laughs> you wow. know, and it's it's but it's funny you get. Uh, nine miles off bank and you've got water still in the mid to high 70s Isn't that crazy well tell us about some of the changes if you can that that you did to uh, accommodate this cooler water coming in uh, are you fishing uh, different colors are you fishing slower are you de- fishing uh, uh, deeper water or what 
Most of my most of my customers, John, are still throwing bait. So, uh, and the bait is small. They're running about five inch on the sardines. Mm-hmm. So just go with a small hook, um, light as line as you feel comfortable with. Maybe even fluorocarbon if you have to. And we're doing a lot of dragging. You know, that's something you could do on a private boat. It's really easy to do. Uh, drifting and dragging is not something that's that's really conducive to the larger boats because they you know they need to anchor so people don't tangle up. But uh, you know if they're able to anchor and chum up a spot, you can get some fish active, and that helps. But if not, just drag. You know, especially if you're looking for the pelagic fish right now, the bonita and barracuda, we're just having to keep drag right on right on the temp breaks, and uh, it's usually lately it's been anywhere between 75 and 95 feet where you'll see that that water just change from 65 to about 70. And that, that little tip break right along our kelp beds is in uh, where the pelagics are. You can get the calicos just, you can get the calicos right now anywhere from 12 to 70 feet. It doesn't matter. They're just, you know, you get around the kelp and, and the rock, and the calicos are still fighting pretty well. And if we were throwing plastics, I don't know if color would matter because there's just so many in there right now. Wow. And uh, uh, are you finding that just up and down the coast? Or are you finding the kelp? Because I know sometimes you go down to Imperial Beach. Sometimes you're going around the Zanuga Jetty. Is, is, the, is the jetty area there the same as the uh, the Point Loma kelp? Yeah, you know, uh, I haven't been around the jetty or even or even down in IB lately. We've been, uh, again, hanging around the kelp beds because really we're after the pelagic fish. Well, folks want those barracuda and uh, yellowtail and, and bonita. So that's what we've been chasing after and everything else is a bycatch. But uh, so we've been... Uh, after them, and then when we're not getting them, then we'll slide into the kelp a little bit. The kelp is still damaged. It's, I mean, it's no joke. And we're, we're, I'm sure, again, we could go back to archives where I was talking about, you know, rows a foot a day, the sunshine, we're getting a lot of sunshine, should be growing. It's not, John. It's, and it's, that's sad because uh, we were really hoping that it would. And that's also affecting our offshore bite. You get out to the nine mile where last year we had more kelp patties than we knew what to do with. Now you're struggling to find one because... If it's not growing, it's not breaking off either. Yeah, and it seems like, uh, uh, Jim, if I recall in past years, uh, uh, you've had a yell- lot of yellowtail in the kelp, but because the kelp isn't there, it hasn't been that good for yellowtail and white sea bass, but it's been a banner year for uh, uh, calicos and sand bass and other, other fish. So it, it's kind of a trade off, and I guess the big key is being able to adapt. Absolutely, John. And it's a matter of catching what's biting, you know, instead of uh, just getting single focus on one fish, you know, and, and I don't blame folks that have uh, got friends that have done five trips in a row just to get that one big bluefin tuna. Sounds like fun, but, you know, when I got folks here, they're here for six hours, and tomorrow they're either getting on a plane or they're going to SeaWorld or something. So this is their trip, this six hours. we got to make the most of it. And it's hard to it's hard to get picky at that point. It's just a matter of, okay, these are the fish we want to catch, but if they're not biting, let's just get something to bend that rod. And that's, that's a totally different game plan from, say, when you're out with your buddies and you've got that, you know, you've got that triple-digit bluefin in mind and you're willing to do whatever it takes, go on your boat, go on another boat, get on a boat, just go all week long until you can finally get that one fish. That's a totally different way of thinking from a person who's in town and wants to see what San Diego has and it's really hard to find those triple-digit fishes inside the breakwater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not going to find them local, that's for sure. I mean, again, you know, guys, March, we're catching them on the north nine. You're burning very little fuel, running 11, 12 miles, and 
throwing a popper, and next thing you know, you're catching a fish that you never thought you would possibly catch. Now it's, you know, again, you have to get your passports and your permits and your licenses all together and, you know, go down south. And, and I, even then, I'm talking to guys, you know, you, you're only going to hear the glory stories. Those, those are the ones that make the paper and make the Internet. But, uh, you know, it's like nine boats out of ten that are coming back with no fish at all. You know, they didn't even see a possibility of a fish. You know, and that's, that's huge. That's a huge difference from being wide open. Of course, the boat that comes back with them is going to tell you how open it was, how wide open and awesome it was. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, 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 one a nice thing about fishing San Diego, especially the mouth of San Diego Bay, is whether or not you fish in front of the Zanuga Jetty and go on out a little bit to the southwest, or you fish on the west side and you come out on Point Loma and you fish the kelp, you've got two completely different environments to fish in, but they're both good in their own ways. And, Jim, I know you've taken advantage of both of those uh, situations. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, don't discredit the coming back in fishing the channel. So you get out there and, you know, the last couple of days we've, it's gotten pretty bumpy, like say about 10 o'clock. And if it gets too bumpy and you don't like the ocean anymore, you come and fish in that channel. I mean, it's loaded with sand bass and, and halibut, too. You never know when you might get a really nice halibut out there. So it's, you know, it's a great fishery. There's just, we really do have, like I said, a lot of options, a lot of good fishing to be had yet. The season is far from over. And if anything, I think it's just going through a little transition now where it might reposition those fish. And I'm really hoping for a really good fall uh, bonita bite like we've had the last couple of years. And they, they tend to be uh, starting to show up a little bigger lately. We've gotten a lot more three- and four-pounders where we were getting some that weren't barely a pound, pound and a half. Now we're starting to get the bigger ones. And so I'm really looking forward to that. If that keeps going that path, you know, you're also still going to get some moss-back yellows around them, and that's going to be fun. You know, Jim, we're always being uh, asked when you go offshore, uh, full moon, dark moon, what's that uh, moon phases make any difference? I think I think so, John, but a lot of times in a more positive way because, again, that the moon and the tide seem to go along with each other, and that bay is tidal-driven for the bite. So if we got a good good tide movement, you're going to get bit. You know, it's just simple as that. And so uh, I don't think it really has the effect that a lot of people think about the feeding at night thing with the full moon and they're not hungry in the morning. I don't see that as much in the bay as I do, uh, say, coastal or even offshore. I, you know, and, and we have seen that lately. The last three days we were, we were going out and fishing, uh, you know, around the nine mile and even back on in. And we noticed the bite. The fish didn't even pop up, didn't even start really biting until about 9.30, 10 o'clock. So that, I think, we can blame the moon. But today's trip in the bay, boy, we were getting fished right away. And... So that's because the current was moving right away. So I think that that's that's a big difference. I just think that the fish are that fish that's in the bay or or that moves into the bay to feed knows when the water's moving one way, it or the other either way that it's going to create bait movement that they can feed on and it's and it's easy for them so they don't have to to maneuver very far to get what they need. If you go outside the bay, then. Uh, it can be affected by any number of things, but currents change outside also with 
with the movement where they come. All that water moving out of the bay creates movement around the kelp beds and the eddies that, that happen out inside, too. So one way or the other, water movement is pretty important. If you have no current and you're in the boat sitting out there in the middle of nothing, trying to get a fish to eat is harder than heck. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, it's just a matter of the best time to, to catch them is when they're, they're out feeding, when they're hunting. I mean, you can, it's one thing to make fish bite. It's another thing just to be there when they're already biting. <laughs> you, know, I, I, you bet. We're telling people all the time here in the shop that uh, you know, guys are getting excited because they're getting a chance to go out and go night fishing, especially during these um, uh, summer uh, uh, months. Night fishing is, is fantastic, but we like to tell them here, hey, you got to look at the tides. I mean, obviously you go fishing when you can go fishing. But one of the things you want to do is watch the tides because I think tides, as Stan pointed, are far more important than the phase of the moon or the time of day. Oh, heck yes. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, John. I I couldn't agree more. And some days an incoming tide is a better bite, some days an outgoing tide. But, you know, if if you're so lucky to get a little bit of both while you're out, that's great. But you've got to. Yeah, the tide really does make a lot in San Diego Bay, especially. All right. Well, Captain uh, James, uh, we're getting into a time of the year where the days are getting a little shorter, and it's it's tough to get half-day trips in, but you're still offering. You can accommodate the fishermen just about for anything that they want. Uh, if uh, people want to check out your schedule or find out when it's best to go out to meet their schedule or your schedule, how's the best way to do that? Well, you can always reach me at the website. It's thefishicon.com, thefishicon.com, or they can give me a call. It's uh, 619-395-0799. All right. Captain James Nelson, The Fish Icon, thanks a lot for a great report, Jim, and uh, we look forward to hearing about how this next week is going for you next Sunday night on Rod Wheel Radio. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll, we'll chat at you next week. All right. Hey, that's it for the first hour of Rod Reel Radio. Hope you enjoyed it. But, boy, we've got a lot more coming up in the second hour. Dr. Terry Moss, free diver and spear fisherman extraordinaire. He has spent 55 years free diving and spear fishing. And, boy, does he have some stories of, uh, of photography and, and episodes of catching epic fish in that period of time. So stay tuned. There's still lots more Ron Real Radio to come after these messages. If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water. Love California. Boat California. Save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. You can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford 
knows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect. Finally, a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main and El Cajon, or online anytime, anywhere at ElCajonFord.com. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, H&M Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. Guano Fishing's got something for everybody. From the smallest angler to the oldest veteran, we can get you out there fishing with the greatest reels on the market today. From the all-new for 2016 Icon PT to the Tour Mag to the brand-new redesigned Smoke Reel, we've got something for everyone in your family. Have some fun. Take a kid fishing. They're the future of our sport. Quantum, we are performance-tuned. You can get your quantum products at anglersarsenal.com or anglersarsenal in the Mesa at 619-466-8355. Rod and Reel Radio is now available as a podcast you can subscribe to on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. Get notified as soon as new episodes are available or go back and listen to our past shows. Browse through all of our archive shows at rodandreelradio.com slash archives and click the subscribe button to get started listening now. Hi, this is BSS record holder Dean Rojas. El Cajon Ford helped me when I got started in my career, and let them help you with a new F-Series Ford truck. And remember, nobody beats El Cajon Ford. Hey, welcome back to the second half of Ron Real Radio. I am your host, Hopalong John Cassidy, and Stan Vandenberg and Wendy Tushihara. They're also with us tonight. And, Wendy, I've got to thank your merit for giving me the lead for this next guest. It's a fellow that I am really excited to have on with us. Well, you know, um, I got the chance to meet Terry during the MLPA process. We worked together um, when we uh, were stakeholders, and uh, Terry's a great guy. Hi, Terry. Hi, Wendy. <laughs> hey, Terry. Welcome to Ron Real Radio, and I just want to give some background on you, and then we can take it from there. You know, Terry has been free diving and spearfishing for 55 years. In his younger years, he held four national championships in spearfishing, and he has been on ten championship teams. Terry has also held three world records when it comes to bluefin and yellowfin tuna. And, Terry, I believe you still hold the record for the largest specific bluefin tuna ever speared at 398 pounds. So we want to welcome you to the show, sir. Thank you for coming aboard with us. You're welcome. Hey, you know. 55 years, what a legacy, but tell us, uh, what started this interest in, in spearfishing and then combining that with free diving? 
Well, I used to love to play, uh, at, you know, breath hole games in the swimming pool, and I also loved to fish uh, more freshwater streams because it was hard to get to the ocean. But uh, the few times I got to the ocean, I enjoyed that. And then uh, when I was young, Sea Hunt with Lloyd Bridges was all over the television. <laughs> and, uh, of course, he used a tank, and, and that saw it. When I was 14, I learned how to use a uh, scuba tank. But I figured out on my first dive that that wasn't really too sporting. We, I learned in Carmel and Monterey and went down and found this cabazoni sitting in a cave, just sitting there, and, and um, pretty easy to shoot him. So it was uh, after I learned about breath hole diving, I figured that was a lot more sporting. Wow. And so uh, was it that area that you developed your skill in uh, both uh, free diving and spear fishing? Well, um, Northern California at the time had a, uh, a very robust, competitive spearfishing community, breath holding. Um, there were 120 divers frequently at contests, and uh, that's where um, I chose to uh, learn about breath hold diving and compete, and uh, it was great fun. Well, you know, you're, you're kind of a local guy up there in uh, uh, Northern uh, California. How do it evolved to becoming basically a globe trekker and taking uh, this passion of yours and translating it to all these different places around the world? Well, um, my good friend Al Snippershoff, I'll speak about his death in a minute, was based in Los Angeles, and he was really good at getting yellowtail and white sea bass off Catalina and off the coast, big black sea bass, too. We could shoot them then and uh, so he would would invite me down I'd fly down on PSA <laughs> if you can remember that you're pretty old and uh, he'd pick me up and we'd go out for the weekend and we'd go what so-called big game spearfishing and big game spearfishing was finding yellowtail and white sea bass um, he made a trip to Guadalupe Island uh, 1972 I wasn't able to go and um, he, they got there late in the evening, and but Al would just jump in the water no what. They were in the anchorage, which later we learned was where the, the uh, Mexicans dumped their garbage. And he was in the water for a few minutes and yelled, giant, I see giant tuna. Um, and that got everybody's blood boiling. Uh, but then a few minutes later, his son was on the bow of the boat, said something's wrong with my dad. And he'd been hit by a great white shark, um, and it severed uh, the major artery in his knee, or his popliteal artery in his calf, and and they brought him on boat, but he he died shortly thereafter. What effect did did this have on you, Terry? Well, it had two effects. Uh, The first effect is that I started looking behind me (laughs) all the time. I was really scared diving, and... And uh, But when I did that, I found out I started seeing a lot more fish. Yellowtail will come in behind you. Um, and then the other thing was that we kept thinking about his last words. There's really big tuna here. And during the time, Western Outdoor News would talk about the giant tuna they were taking at Guadalupe Island. And so we, um, 14 of us, decided we'd go there. We went on the sand dollar. Um, 
and and we didn't know really what to do. I had a float line with a float that I'd made. It was a lifeguard float, and it had a uh, a lead keel to keep the flag up. Some guys brought Culligan water heaters uh, as floats. We just didn't know what we were doing. We just knew they were big fish. Wow. And tell us a little bit of the gear that time. Uh, you know, I started diving in the uh, early 70s, and... Obviously saw the progression of it, but tell us a little bit about the gear you were to talk uh, using, especially spearfishing gear, because what you're doing back at that time and what you're doing now is like the difference on what we're doing with uh, rod and reel. Well, yes and no. The bottom scratchers, uh, good friend Al Perdonovich and Wally Potts, were, were doing a good job building a fairly big, Big game guns, we used to call them, and they, uh, while they were shooting white sea bass and yellowtail off of uh, La Jolla Cove in the 50s, um, they they developed some pretty sophisticated guns. The gun I used at Guadalupe to get the 400-pound record in 1982 was uh, homemade, a stainless steel barrel uh, with uh, uh, guides that held the shaft in place and so uh, basically the rig is you've got a spear gun with a shaft the shaft normally leaves the gun and 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 it is attached to a float line which is then attached to a float and so if you're successful and get a big fish um, you see the float flying by 100 miles an hour Sometimes submerging for long periods of time, and then um, and then you you've got to grab that float and pull in uh, pull in the fish. You know, when you were attracting these fish, would you see where the fish were and you jump in the middle of them, or would you stay in the areas and just be patient and wait yeah, on the you surface? Know, um, in contrast to this last year, uh, a couple weeks ago when I got the 240 pound bluefin. Yes. Entirely, entirely different than mostly what we've been doing forever, which is to find uh, a pinnacle or find a fishy area and anchor up there and just spend hours and hours and hours. And that 400-pound bluefin, I was with Dennis Okada from Hawaii, is again 1982, and we were seeing lots of peat uh, fish whirling over a pinnacle in about 90 feet of water. And I told Dennis, look, there's yellowtail here, but I've just got a feeling there's going to be tuna because we've been seeing tuna all along. Two days before, I shot a 178-pound bluefin, which that beat the former spearfishing record of 52 pounds. So I had a feeling that there were going to be tuna there. So Dennis shot a yellowtail and <laughs> and because they were so big, 40, 50 pounds. And he, so he went back to the boat, and I was by myself. And I was centered over this pinnacle that had swirling mackerel on it. And uh, I made a dive. I got about 20, 25, 30 feet. And I looked down. The water was crystal clear. It was unbelievable. We could see 200 feet. And I saw these two, two bluefin tuna. They looked like an inch each that far away. And I just hung out there. And for some reason, they were curious. They came to me. And over the course of a minute, they swam from 200 feet to about 15 feet away from me. Oh, my gosh. And uh, I, the closest one, I, I could see they were starting to turn, 
and I just thrust my gun and pulled the trigger, and, and uh, the shot hit it right in the back, and it just took off. And that float that I told you had a, it had a lead skeg, Yes. Shot by me, almost cleaved my head. It was going so fast, <laughs> and then it went straight down um, and disappeared. But then the worst thing a diver can see is the float came back up, and it was kind of wobbling on the way up. And that's generally a sign that the fish is pulled loose, which uh, really terrible, terrible thing. So I grabbed the line, and um, and it, it was still on. And it came to the surface and made a big circle. And this 400-pound fish, I could see it 50 feet away and was aiming right for me. And I thought, shit, he's going to run me over. He's going to attack me. And he was heading right for me. And about 10 feet away, he stopped and, and sunk. And, and what had happened is that I'd been a very lucky shot, the kind of shot you want to make, where the spear hit its spine and all his fighting kind of, um, aggravated that shot so that it paralyzed. So then he just sunk, and uh, he was pretty much done for. I just the whole thing was over in about five minutes. Wow! Uh, we just had to pull him up and and put another spear in to make sure he didn't get lost. Wow! And you know, uh, if there, when you in those years, if there was really an exciting place to go to, where where was the place to go to to? Uh, you know, to, to catch the fish that you were looking for. Guadalupe Island. That was that was it. There, there's good places. Cabo is good. Um, La Paz is good. Um, um, Panama is very good. Um, there's a lot of places. Of course, those are yellowfin places. But Lufan, Lufan dominated Guadalupe Island until about 1970, or sorry, 1984 or five, and they they just up and disappeared. Yeah, I mean, you used to go to Guadalupe, and the only boat that I mean, the only boat that was catching those fish was the uh, the Megalodon that was out there. It was a uh, uh, not Hatteras? It was a fifty-five, sixty-foot private pleasure yacht that they'd sit back boat and they put um, uh, two guys, a, a deckhand and a fisherman, in a in a small boat, and they would troll the small boat behind the big boat at about a hundred yards on a rope and the guy back there would troll a mackerel about a hundred yards behind the dinghy until they they hang one of those big bluefin and then they detach the boat and that's where all the the uh, original uh, little chase boats came into play where they would just let that bluefin pull them around out there until uh, they finally got him up and then the big boat would come over and pick him up and go from there but that was that was where we saw all of the bluefin. They were out there in numbers, and you'd see huge numbers of that big stuff coming out of the water, and you were just hoping to get one of the little ones when you were on a sport boat. Well, you bring up a good point about bluefin. That the reason why you can't park a boat there with generators running and everything, there's too much noise. And so there was an article I remember reading that time about how you had to be quiet and take a skiff and just be you know, have no motor. Everybody shut the generators. Everything got shut off. And uh, but I'll tell you I, but that when I shot the 158 pounder, I told you about before the 400 pounder. I made a dive to about 40 feet, and there were bluefin backs as far as I could see from left to right. Probably a thousand bluefin. They were all that same size. Wow. Well, there's a lot of big ones back then. That's I know for a fact. I used to go down there 
we'd spend two or three days at a whack down there and, and just trying to get one of the big ones to hang, and then good luck if you did, because a lot of times it was that fish like you were spearing, and we weren't ready for that. Hey, Dr. Terry, we've got to take a break. Is there any way we can talk you into staying with us a little bit longer? Of course. All right. Hey, you're listening to Ron Real Radio on AM 540 or at com. Stay tuned. Dr. Terry Moss, free driver and spear fisherman extraordinaire, will be back with us. Turn your passion for fishing into support for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Enter the 27th Annual Tuna Challenge, hosted by Silvergate Yacht Club, August 26th through 28th. A tuna fishing tournament followed by the famous Tuna Challenge Awards Banquet, featuring thousands of dollars worth of auction items and raffle prizes, including fishing gear, trips, even a brand new Mazda. Enter the tournament or just come to the fun and festive awards banquet on Sunday. All proceeds go to the Make-A-Wish Foundation of San Diego. For info, visit tunachallenge.org. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water. Love California. Boat California. Save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, HM Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. Hey, everybody, this is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fishing Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course, I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water. Love California, boat California, save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Hi, my name is Dennis Green, and I always love to talk about fishing. When I want the real information, I go to Rod and Real Radio. Those guys are who I thought they were. 
Hey, Standy and Wendy and I, we want to welcome you back to Rod Reel Radio. Hey, our special guest tonight is Dr. Terry Mass, the spear fisherman, free diver extraordinaire. But before we do that, you heard that uh, commercial for uh, Sadra Silent. The Ron Real Radio Gang, we're going there September 20th. we got a special rate. We're going to be visiting with uh, Jose and Melanie over there at the Baja Magic Lodge. We're going to get two and a half days of fishing. You want to come aboard with us, just go to Ron Real Radio on Facebook or, you know, message us at ronrealradio.com. Come with us because it will be fabulous fishing. Hey, we have Dr. Terry Moss with us. And, and Dr. Terry, you know, in my younger uh, years, uh, I was a free diver. Uh, I won a few contests. Uh, uh, one of my biggest thrill was going after red coral in Kilakakua Bay uh, off uh, Hawaii. But, you know, I never had, you know, the endurance that I think you need to do what you do. Uh, tell us, uh, you know, what, how long could you hold your breath over there, and, and how did you exercise doing that? Well, you bring up a good point about endurance. Uh, a lot of the areas I told you, rather than free free hunting uh, like we did this last couple of months where we, you know, jumped on foamers, normally we anchor on Tanner or Cortez, some of my favorite spots, and there's a current running, uh, and generally the stronger the current, the better the fish fishing. But the problem is you've got to really swim hard just yeah. to stay in in position and so it's really hard to make a breath hold dive um and so in that instance you might make a breath hold dive of 45 seconds that could be a really long dive when you're kicking as hard as you can but in the calm waters of hawaii you mentioned yeah, and there's no current it's quite easy to make a two two minute dive so it, it just depends on the conditions in terms of conditioning it's just a matter of um calisthenics i i do uh about 40 minutes of stretching and light weight work in the morning and then i swim for half an hour in the afternoon i do that about four days a week wow you know i remember uh, uh one of my big problems is when you got to really clear water like san clemente or uh catalina or even hawaii you were in such clear water, you kind of lost perception of what depth you were fishing. You'd go down, you'd be plunking around, you'd be looking under stuff, you'd be doing whatever you'd be doing. And then when you fail, when you find yourself kind of, you know, wanting a little oxygen, you'd look up and sunlight was a long way up there. So in clear water, you really had to, to watch out. And I'm, I'm sure when you were spearing fish and you got in the you know, and the adrenaline of the catch, that probably happened to you, too. Well, unfortunately, it happens to, uh, you know, about 20 of our young people every year drown breath-holding. Um, they get better and better holding their breath, uh, and they get, uh, they just forget how long they're down. And blackout um, happens when the uh, blood oxygen to the brain gets to a, a limit where they lose consciousness. It happens very quickly. There's no warning. So one minute you think you're fine, the next minute you're in trouble. Um, that's why I developed a, a, a safety vest for breath hold divers. Um, divers, when they're sane and on the surface and not chasing big fish, put a time in and they put a depth in. And if they exceed either of those, the vest fires and brings them to the surface face up. You know, uh, between dives, uh, is there any exercise? Is there any type of hyperventilation that you do to reoxygenate your blood? 
you know, hyperventilation. Actually, let's go back to just what, what a young person should do or anybody. Uh, they should take a class in breath hole diving. There's a couple of great institutions in the United States now with local Southern California support and, and learn, learn the basics and the dangers of breath hole diving. Hyperventilation, as you mentioned, um, it, practice to a minimum is probably okay. But uh, the problem with rapid and, and deep breathing is that um, it robs your body of carbon dioxide, and that's the gas that tells you to breathe. And so if you blow off so much carbon dioxide, you get a little dizzy uh, maybe, and then you make a dive, your brain's not telling you when you should come up because you fooled it by depleting your carbon dioxide, and that puts you in a very risky, very risky zone for blackout. So uh, you want to avoid extensive hyperventilation. Now, you know, we were talking a little bit about your younger years, uh, uh, Terry, uh, but you have literally traveled all over the world. Can you tell us about some of those experiences and places that you've gone to that have been uh, just, you know, places like you ju- it's just hard to explain what they're like? Yeah, a couple years ago, about three years ago, I went to New Zealand um, and I just got to tell a story because this is really what our sport's about. There was this submerged reef about 30 feet under the water, and um, the conditions changed rapidly, but they had gotten pretty nice. And what I did was swim down 30 feet, about 40 feet, and there was a wall to my back, and the wall went straight down 1,000 feet. And I would, and the water was only about 30 foot visibility. There was a lot of these uh, blue mau mau and fish that. That, um, that tell you we're in a fishing zone. There were a lot of fish around me, and I would croak. It's a, 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 a sound like that under the water. And if you get in a thermocline, that sound resonates and goes a long way. That attracts fish. So I was hoping to get a big kingfish. That's our yellowtail. Um, there were 60, 80, 100 pounders there. Um, and so I was down about... 40 feet croaking, and all the fish were coming closer and closer to me, and then they disappeared. Just in an instant, they went behind me. And behind, not far behind me was this, this pinnacle, about 10 feet behind me. So I'm staring out in the open ocean with my gun, knowing something huge is trying to eat those fish. And I expected to see a big yellowtail. And then just as soon as the, the six and eight pound Mau Mau disappeared, like a hundred thousand mackerel swam from the depths right by me, and it sounded like a freight train. They just went roared by me. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, there was just turbulence. They were so scared. And when they left, then I was staring out in the open ocean, still nothing. So I had an in- intuition. I looked over my left shoulder, and all I saw was a big mass of fish with iridescent blue marks, and I knew it was a big marlin. So I brought my gun over my shoulder. I didn't even turn around. I just put it over my shoulder and pulled the trigger at the middle of it and uh, wound up getting a 280-pound striped marlin, which is uh, (laughs) a a, a good fish for New Zealand. That's pretty crazy stuff. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about that battle because uh, uh, I'm sure after you shot that fish, it just didn't go, okay, Terry, I'm coming home with you. It probably wanted to go in another direction. 
No, yeah, I was. That's t- this is a typical battle. So you come up and and my floats they're just skipping across the surface like a water skier. So uh, in order to get a world record, which we weren't sure if it was or not, you can't get in a boat. You've got to stay in the water, bring the fish up yourself, and if you need to shoot it again, you have to use a gun that you've cocked and loaded yourself. So I finally caught up. At least the boat could tell me which direction the buoys were in. I caught up with it and kept pulling and pulling. About an hour later, he came up enough, close enough that I could go down, or I tied him off on my buoy and used the second gun to to uh, finish him off. So that's typically how we get get big fish. Wow. Tell us a little bit about the gear that you're using today and how it compares to uh, the way it does. Or do you still take your old Perdonovich out and uh, fire that off every now and again? Well, I never really owned a Perdonovich gun. I just made my own, and it's the same gun I've been using since, you know, 40 years. Um, six bands. It's got a lot of bands, and it's a 3-8 shaft, a very heavy shaft, a real sharp point. And, again, it's connected to a float which is then connected to a couple of lifeguard buoys. The buoys have line embedded in them, so if the fish is strong enough to pull the first buoy down, it releases 150 feet of line before the second buoy goes down. So that gives you a chance to uh, grab on and manage your line, because otherwise both buoys will go down, and sometimes they'll go so deep they'll collapse and they'll never come up. So you, uh, you need to... You need to have that space of line. Well, you know, Terry, I know you probably like traveling the world to get all kinds of exotic fish, but what's your take on the uh, the grade and the type of fish that we've had right off our coast here for the past couple of seasons? Well, I'll tell you, the grade is that people from all over the world are coming here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I was out a couple of weeks ago, there were acres, and you guys have all seen it, acres and miles of anchovies. I've got great video of those. Just a foot below, that they're 30, 40, 50 feet deep, square miles of anchovies, and they hover just a foot below the surface. It's a beautiful sight to see. So I got that all videoed, but the tuna are prowling in 60, 80, 90, 100 feet of water on 20, and they'll take a notion and come up and just blast through that, uh, through those anchovies, and, and make those wonderful foamers that we that we saw that. That might be going away, but two or three weeks ago, it was it was amazing, uh, just amazing. Right, uh, you know, is there is there a shot that you've uh, made that you kind of wish that you didn't make, and and then vice versa? Oh well, there's always the shots that you you, you yeah. I'll tell you the shot that that. So 1983, I went out to, we went out to Cortez Bank, my friend Jim Mabry and I, and we were really explorers. You only had Loran at the time, and we, we went out there all on our little 25-foot boat, and the most amazing thing greeted us. We were in 30 feet of water, but you couldn't see the rocks, but it was very clear, but there was 10 feet of mackerel covering the bottom. 10 feet, the last 10 feet was mackerel, total mackerel, and in between them were bluefin tuna, shooting back and forth, and, and that's when I got uh, a 98-pounder, which was the state record until last year. 30 years it lasted. Wow. So later that season, Santa Barbara Island was really good for bluefin, and uh, this is the shot I'll, you know, I'll never forget. I was out on the, the very northwest corner, 
and there was a little kelp frond. I made a well. My friend Bill said I saw three big hundred. He said I saw four hundred pound tunas, and uh, about fifteen minutes later, I made a dive, and four four hundred pound tuna swam by me. But they didn't swim really fast like you're used to. They they meandered by, but I was so used to shooting ahead of them because you, you had to shoot ahead of them for their spear to even hit them. Yep. That I shot in the gill plate of this 400-pounder, and the gill plate on a 400-pound tuna is about an <laughs> inch and a half thick, and it bounced off and put a big gash in that fish. And if they'd have been back just a couple of inches, I'd have got it. And a half hour later, I was still diving in that same spot. They came by again, only this time they didn't come so close, and there was one that had a divot out of its gill plate. That's the fish I wished I'd got. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That is an incredible. And even to this day now, obviously, and I'm not going to pin you down to a number, but we mentioned you've been doing this for 55 years. So uh, uh, you are a seasoned uh, uh, angler for sure. Uh, do you still keep up the pace, or do you find old man time catching up with you? Well, you, you know, I'm 71 years old. You can't, you know, <laughs> I'm not as good as fit as I was at 38, but... Um, I'm, I'm doing just fine. That 240-pound tuna I got three weeks ago was was um, was good, and and uh, we got a bunch of yellowtail at Santa Barbara Island last weekend, so I can still make the uh, minute and 15. Any any willer want you to go back and dive at Guadalupe? You know, God, yeah, yes and no. What happened is there was a regime change there, as you guys know. There's yellowfin there now, yep. but they're about 100 pounds. Big, big yellowtail. Our world record yellowtails for spearfishing comes from there. But um, I understand that there's a that's it's a semi-biosphere now, and I, I, I don't know the rules, but I don't think it's as easy to spearfish there as it used to be. And, no, and there's uh, more white sharks now than there were before. Well, back when you didn't so see as many. Why there's more white sharks is that scuba boats go down there and feed them. They're yep. not dumb. And so when they hear a motor come up, they're, they're, they're on you. And the same thing is on Australia, where they, they feed white sharks. It's, it's very dangerous to swim in those areas because they're just collected there. They're, they're smart fish. Well, you've had a chance to fish all up and down the Pacific Coast, but is there, is there a place on your bucket list or a place that you've been to that you'd say, hey, I, I've got to get back there again? Well, I'm going back there next July. The Revejo Gajeda Islands are probably... Yeah. The best, uh, the best for marine life, in one of the best in the world. Uh, they're 250 miles straight south of Cabo San Lucas. Takes a day in an eight-knot boat to get there. But uh, there's a boiler that's got manta rays that come by. There's yellowfin tuna. There's bazillions of sharks, uh, wahoo everywhere, and uh, and big tuna. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and big tuna. If you're spearfishing the Rosiejos Islands. You know, you get down there, Socorro, you know, the, the, we, you can't go down and, and sport fish down there anymore, but the guys can go dive and, and spearfish those islands. Um, those, you, no, those you're not are, allowed to spearfish. You can't take any fish there. No? No, you can't spearfish. Ah, that's changed. I knew for a while that they were sending dive boats out there and they were spearfishing them, but that was, must have been a few years no, back No, ever then. since that became a biosphere, about 15 years ago, nothing's allowed, no take. Some guys None. will go in and talk to the 
commandants and get permission to shoot a fish for dinner, but you're not allowed to spearfish uh, anything there, just like you're not allowed to angle it. Mm. Too bad. That was good stuff while it lasted. Yeah. I I know you're a spearfisherman, but uh, do you ever get the urge to go down and pluck a lobster or pop an abalone when you're down there? Well, Northern California, I, I got all the abalone I could eat. And lobster, it, I'll tell you, here's the problem with lobster. You gotta, I don't like using a tank, so I do it breath hold. You only have a short amount of time. Sure. You've got to jam your hand in the hole real quick and try to catch them before. And there's sea urchins in those holes. And I rammed a sea urchin through my finger so deep oh. that I could, couldn't even hurt so bad. I couldn't cry. I couldn't even hardly breathe. And so that cured me on lobsters. Plus, I'm not – look, bluefin tuna are the best. That's the, that's my favorite. You can't, you know, a lobster is just nothing. You know, you know, and maybe for the next few years it might be nothing. So we've got to take advantage of the bounty while it's here. Right. Now, Terry, you said you have some videos, and then you also talked to, about a product that you developed. Just tell us a little bit about that and and how we can uh, – Maybe get a hold of you, find out about this product, and uh, also uh, uh, see your videos. Well, um, I wrote a book on spearfishing, Blue Water Hunting and Spearfishing. It showed, sold 20,000 copies, and I'm redoing that in digital. Uh, and what's nice about the digital, you get to see all the, uh, the print media, but then you can link to video files. Um, and I've got uh, one video I linked to I was – about eight years ago now, I guess, um, I was down in Cabo, and this magnificent run of uh, striped marlin happened, and I got uh, video of them. There was about um, two and a half million people have looked at that video ever since, but I don't sell it. It's just there to look at. Um, and I learned a lot of things about interesting about fishing, too. Uh, a lot of those fish were hurt really bad by anglers. Okay, so... In the past, have you seen, you know, obviously there's a lot of guys catching these big fish and they get broke off and everything like that. Have you actually uh, witnessed uh, lures and line and everything like that uh, trailing behind fish? Yeah, you know, and it's really sad. Uh, I saw it at the Reveo Gajetas. I saw, I've got video of a 50-pound tuna towing only 30 feet of line. And, um, and it's, but that line starts collecting sea life on it, and it gets to be a big anchor, and it slows them way down. And they get big sores in their mouth where the hooks are supposed to rust, but they don't. Um, but, it, but during that, uh, that striped marlin run, unbelievable. Some guy bragged, oh, I got, we caught, caught and released 86 marlin in one day. But I saw a lot of those fish, and they were had broken line, they were sick, they were sinking, and, um, you know, that's not to say you can't catch and release. I think it's a great plan, but um, you, you can't. There's just stuff happens to those fish when they're beat up so bad. Their fins get all whacked up bad when the line rubs across their dorsal fin and the lateral fins. Uh, it really tears them up. They survive it. You know, they most of the fish survive it, but it's not. It's not a benign thing. All right. Well, Dr. Terry Moss, uh, spearfisherman, free diver. Gosh, I could spend a couple more hours with you, Dr. Terry, but I can't thank you enough for, you know, 
giving us some of your time on a Sunday night and, and talking about this wonderful experience that you've had over the past 55 years and sharing a little bit of, uh, of it with us. Well, I'd like to finish real quick by saying that the cooperation between divers and fishermen off Southern California during this bluefin tuna run has been amazing. A lot of respect for both of us, uh, a lot of helping each other, and uh, it, it's gone from hating and running over and throwing lures to cooperation. I really like to see that. I think the angling community and the freediving community has has really done a great job getting together these last two years. All right. Well, Dr. Terry Moss, uh, if people want to get a hold of you, they want to find out more about what you're doing, uh, is there a way to contact you? Um, yeah, on Facebook. Facebook. <laughs> yeah. And, Facebook's and, fine. And you'll respond to questions and everything, because there's got to be, are there more or are there fewer young people you think getting into free diving and spare fishing than there were? Oh, it's growing geometrically. Um, it's really a fast-growing sport. It, it, it doesn't take a lot of money to get involved there with it, and, um, and it's very challenging. And, and what you see is so incredible. On the surface of the water, you get about one-tenth of the flavor about what's really happening. Right. Dr. Terry Moss, thank you for being with us, sir, and sharing your, uh, your life experiences with us and, and sharing some of your Sunday night. Welcome. All right. Hey, Stan, Wendy, and I, we're going to take a break right now. Stay tuned. More Rod and Reel Radio to come after these messages. Captain Chris Randall from Cheap Sports Fishing. And Captain Chris, tell us about what's happening on the Chief now that the tuna season is upon us. It's here, and it's time to go on the Chief. For those that are not familiar with the vessel, she's an 85 by 24 deluxe sport fisher that offers a wide variety of open party trips, ranging from one to five days in length. We're also available for private group charters. The Chief's onboard anemones include a fully remodeled galley with comfortable seating for 25, twin flat screen TVs with hundreds of moves, Movies, two roomy indoor heads with fresh hot water showers, stateroom and open berthing areas, an impressively large deck area, 200 scoop bait capacity. We have twin six ton spray brine fish holds to keep your catch fresh, and our professional courteous crew will go the extra mile to make your trip a memorable one. To view our schedule, log on to HM Landing at www.hmlanding.com or feel free to give them a call at 619 222 1144. You can also follow us on Facebook. Facebook and at our webpage at chiefsportfishing.com. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ringed hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Hey, bass fishermen, who do you call for your bass boat insurance? Well, if you're not calling me at 1-800-BASS-BOAT for your boat insurance, you're probably paying too much and may not have the coverage that you need. In 1974, I developed the bass boat program that is what all the pros use today. The reason? No depreciation or any partial claim for your hull, 
your big motor, your trolling motor, or your electronics until your boat's 10 years old. That's right. You only pay $250 to get your boat on the water for any partial claim, and we still pay a stated value replacement cost for your boat if you have a total loss. We're the only people in the industry that does that, and that's why we are the choice of the pros. So if you want the best, forget the rest. Just call 1-800-BASSBOAT. Call 1-800-227-7262 or just spell BASSBOAT. 1-800-BASSBOAT. I know there's too many letters, but the T is free and the call's on me. That's 1-800-BASSBOAT, the choice of the pros for BASSBOAT insurance. For more information, log on to 1-800-BASSBOAT.com. If the fish are biting, I'm on my boat, rain or shine. Of course I wear my life jacket. It's like wearing a seatbelt. Clip it on, grab my tackle box, and hit the water. Love California. Boat California. Save California. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Hey, Stan, Wendy, and I, we want to welcome you back to Ron Real Radio. You know, we just had Dr. Terry Moss with us. And if you Google Terry Moss, what you uh, will find is uh, basically a bibliography of things that Terry has done that we didn't even begin to scratch the surface on. His television credits, the television shows that he's done, his photography work. He was inducted as a fellow into the Explorers Club of uh, New York. Uh, what he has done for conservation, uh, just an incredible, incredible life. So we want to thank Terry very much for being with us. And, uh, Wendy, I want you also to thank Merritt for uh, uh, giving us that lead to Terry because without him, uh, I think he uh, uh, he brought to uh, our attention a, um, a video of Terry uh, spearfishing one of these uh, bluefin tuna, and it's extraordinary. I will. All right. Hey, guys, in the remaining time I have left, I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, these tuna that we have off our shoreline right now. And when it comes to leadering up on them and, you know, when you're using a spectra, when you find the tuna to be spotty, is it wise to go to a lighter line like 15-pound test? Should you you really duke it out and stay with a 20- or 25-pound test? Uh, you know, what are your thoughts <laughs> on that? And, you know, Wendy, you're going to be out there in a little bit. What do you think about that? Well, for me, I always start off heavy. And when you first pull up on a spot, those fish are going to be aggressive and they're going to attack the line. Line size doesn't matter. When it starts getting finicky, that's when I start dropping down in size. All right. And, Stan, how about yourself? Well, I'll go along with that, but I'm, I'm of the opinion, you know, if I'm going to catch, if I'm going to give myself a shot at putting the bait in the water when the big ones are around, I'm going to be ready for the big ones. I've watched way too many people go in with undergunned with uh, the wrong rod and the wrong reel and uh, not enough line, especially on this fish here. I mean, you see a lot of that 50 to 80-pound stuff, a lot of 60s and 70s coming in on that bluefin that's out there. But we've got yellowfin now from 50 to 120 pounds that, that have been popping up in, that, that in the counts also. But you, the guys that are fishing them aren't fishing them with light line. They're, you know, you don't go. I wouldn't go out with anything under fifty in that arena, because your chances of hanging one of those big ones really—that's the one you're looking for. And you don't want to get out there with the wrong rod that won't load up, and you can't pull. You know, too long a rod with a popper makes it one way. Uh, and there's been several big fish caught on 
on a 50 or 60 pound with a popper with a 80 pound or 100 pound you know piece of fluorocarbon at the front of the popper. Right. But, you know, be be ready for the big one. I would go in like Wendy said. Don't go in light on that first round. Go in heavy, and if that fish is around and it wants to be aggressive and eat, give yourself give yourself a shot at at landing him, and make sure you've got you know decent hooks. That uh, if, you, if you do hang that big dog, you don't want it pulling out or straightening out. So I would use. I'm a real fan of the heavy duty bait. Yamagatsus and and the Nautilus hooks. I've never ever had one fail me. Um, uh, I was I was told, and you know, John Collins loved that VMC hooks, but now the he works on the RP, and I'd heard that somebody said that that VMC hook they had five break on them in the last trip. So that may not be what you want to continue to throw out there. So choose wisely. You know, be smart about what you're putting in the water with your baits, and you know. Give yourself the best shot of catching that big one. You know, Wendy, uh, we probably uh, spooled up more Iser line in '65 in the in the past few months than we have in, uh, I guess, probably the past few years. Everyone's changing over to the uh, the Spectral line. What is the range of of leaders and top shots that you can put on '65? Is there a, a a real optimum range that you can put on '65? I just tell, I, I keep it simple, and I'll, I tell people, um, just make your leader um, less than what your spectra is. Okay, so what is that? 60 pound would be the upper end of what you put on 65 right. pound spectra. And so I, I, would, I would put 50 and below on the, on the 65, um, you know, so I wouldn't, because the mono is going to be stronger than the spectra, you don't want that that to happen. And and you know what really makes a big difference is how long your leader is. And yeah. especially fishing for bluefin. Um, I really like to have a longer leader on bluefin. I'm not sure about you, Stan. Depends on depends on how the fish are acting or reacting to the baits. If you get a little longer you can have a longer top shot, especially with mono because you get a bit, little bit more uh, stretch and, and retention on that um, it, in rough water, especially mono. If you don't, if you're not in that, then uh, your fluorocarbon will be just fine. If the fish are picky and they need you need to get a bait way away from the boat, then shorten up your your leader uh, because that the baits are small. What the fish want right now is small baits, not the bigger ones. So if you can get that smaller bait way away from the boat. And you've got something of a heavy-duty small hook that you can get a shot at that fish in. You know that gets your bait a little bit more lively further away from the boat before he's dragging all that extra line with him. So that's the only thing you kind of got to kind of find out what the fish wants. That big fish loves eating mackerel, both Spanish and the greenies. So you got a shot if you've got those in the bait tank. Don't be afraid to throw that. And if you see a herring in there, grab that thing and throw it in the water. A bluefin loves that stuff. So, and, and definitely don't be afraid to burn through the baits, especially if you're using heavier leaders or heavier line, because uh, you know uh, the drag that you have on those lines will wear those baits out in a hurry. So that bait is there for you to use. So look in the tank, get the meanest sob you can get, and put them on. Yeah, keep it lively, keep it in front of them. Try using some weight. 
um, you know, an, an ounce or two of weight to get it down, whether you hang it on a rubber band or even use a slider sinker and, and up to your knot on a short, on a short um, uh, if you've got a fluorocarbon leader, you, you can put it up above the knot. You can put it with a, even a Carolina Keeper sometimes, depending on what type of line you're using. So there's a lot of options out there. Try it. Don't be afraid to just try one thing. I know the guys are catching them on the balloons. Uh, where they're bouncing baits on the surface, and uh, that yummy flyers out there that that uh, has been catching a lot of fish. I know the guys from Accurate, Dave, Doug, and Ben all went out and got a 270 plus the other day. Congratulations on Ollie's boat from Bloody Decks. I was I thought that was pretty cool. So you know that fish is out there to be caught, but don't take a BB gun to a bear hunt. Yeah, that's hey, right. Make- and don't wait for the uh, the fish counts either, because right now it looks like with the elephant tuna out there on the overnight, the day and a half, the two-day boats and everything, they're coming out with great grades of fish. The yellowfin are, you know, 30, 40, 50 pounds. There's still some bluefin mixed in there, and some of these boats are still coming uh, back with 100-pound-plus bluefin mixed up with these yellowfins. So there's great fishing to be had out there, and we haven't even touched on the Dorado and the yellowtail, so... Well, Now's Dorado the will eat anything in the water, so don't be afraid. I would start yeah. with 50. <laughs> if you're going to be out there, start heavy, and then, like Wendy says, you know, maybe drop down to 40. I wouldn't go much much further down that. Yellowfin are not that picky. It's just getting the bait in front of the fish and then waiting for the bite. And, but you've got to keep a bait in the water. You've got to keep it in the right uh, water uh, arena where they're at, whether it's, you know, 180 feet deep or 50 feet, whatever it is, wherever that fish is, and they'll tell you on the boat. So listen to the skippers, fish where they are, take your best shot. Well, I've got to listen to Jorge, and guys, that's it for tonight. Man, uh, what an action-packed show. Wendy, thank you. Stan, thank you. Uh, let's meet again here next Sunday night at 5.05. Good idea. When is your you trip, guys. Wendy? Oh, you. You're not going to be here? I won't. I'll be fishing. All right. Well, we're going to want to report when you get back. Hey, Go ladies and girl. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for tonight. We want to thank Jorge and our AM 540 studios. Ben Harvey, our local producer here in the San Diego area. And always, thank you, Big Tuna Bill and Eddie McCune. You know, Bill, it's been five years that you've been gone. It's, it just seems like yesterday. But thank you for this uh, heritage we call Rod and Real Radio. We'll be back next Sunday night with another live show on AM540 or at rottenreelradio.com. Go out and get them. They're getting away. Good night, everyone. We'll see you on the water. Shangri-La. Really loud. I'm wishing I could be that kind.